Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Once again, we are broadcasting this episode from the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, and I would like to cordially invite you to come spend some time in our vast amounts of wide open spaces and do some running or hiking or biking on our amazing network of trails here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. And true story, I actually just got back from a run on one of those trails myself, I did my kind of standard go-to run on Upper Loop, and I am sitting here still in my running clothes and in need of a shower, but feeling really good and pretty pleased with myself for actually getting that run done. So yeah, come explore these trails around here, and I think that you will be feeling pretty good, pretty satisfied yourself. Okay, today on the podcast, we are establishing a new logical rule or a new modus ponens for those of you who never got around to taking that Logic 101 course. So here's our new modus ponens, which is a logical rule of inference based on conditional propositions, and it goes something like this. All cross-country skiers are runners, but not all runners are cross-country skiers. I feel like there should be a gong sound here, like a Zen Cohen type thing. I'm not going to try to give you a gong sound. This new modus ponens here on Off the Couch is actually one of the topics that we discussed today with our guest, Simi Hamilton. Simi is a three-time Olympian cross-country skier. And don't call it Nordic skiing, by the way, for reasons that Simi will go into. But Simi competed in the 2010 Olympic Games in Vancouver. He then was also back in Sochi in 2014 and then Pyeongchang in 2018. And I happen to have several friends who are also friends with Simi, and they all describe him as an incredible athlete and a bit of a force of nature. And as we have already established, this three-time Olympian cross-country skier is also a runner. So Simi and I talk about his very interesting background. Then we also talk about running and his past relationship and current relationship to running and the fact that he just won the Audi Power of 4 50K in his hometown of Aspen. And while this Power of 4 victory story is definitely impressive, it's also pretty funny. And speaking of funny, Simi happens to be very good friends with Noah Brodigam, who we just had on the podcast a few weeks ago after Noah won the Speedgoat 50K. So that is why Simi and I end up talking about Noah quite a bit. And it's also why you should also listen to my really fun conversation with Noah. It is episode number 61 of Off the Couch. And then finally, it's also why I was so interested in getting Simi to throw down the gauntlet and directly challenge Noah to a race battle next year. Starting shit between friends. Apparently that's what I like to do. It's definitely not the most noble quality, but apparently I'm pretty good at it. 
Anyway, with all that said, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Simi. Here we go. Well, Simi, how are you today and where are you today? I'm doing really well. I am at my father-in-law's house, um, which is where I actually live with my wife right now. We are in Peru, Vermont. It's in uh, southern Vermont. It's about, it's really close to Stratton Mountain, which is kind of a bigger ski area down south. It's where my wife grew up and it's where we're living this summer. I've actually been here in this area for the last uh, seven years, um, just training with a um, cross-country club team based out of uh, Stratton. It's kind of affiliated with the Stratton Mountain School, which is a, a private ski school. Um, but we have a we have a pro team that um, kind of functions out of the the school there. So, yeah, it's where we're based out of. Um, you know, you, my wife and I have been. Uh, we we generally like. Oh, well, it's kind of funny living. You know, our lifestyle is um, we spend the most amount of time here in Vermont throughout the whole year, which is only about, uh, two and a half to three months usually. Um, so we, we generally just live out of a duffel bag, but this summer we're because of, you know, everything going on with COVID, we're actually in one place for a little longer than a couple months. So it's been really nice just to be living with her father or with, with her dad, with my, my father-in-law and, um, hanging out here. It's a good spot. Welcome to our off the couch podcast, you know, which is a program dedicated to, very good cross-country skiers who have found their way into running and went to Middlebury and are either from Vermont or are now living in Vermont. So welcome to our very, very specific program. It seems to be trending that way for sure. I can I can give you a list of probably a few more people that would fit right into that category. So um, for those who might not quite get that joke, you know, we just had Noah Brautigam on a couple weeks ago, and you and Noah have a couple things in common in addition to, well, being friends. So I don't know what's happening to my world right now exactly, but uh, <laughs> I, I, this is going to be kind of interesting. And, and there's some there's some things that Noah and I talked about that uh, I definitely want to get you to weigh in here. I guess before we go any further, like talk a little bit about this. Were, were you and Noah at Middlebury at the same time? Yeah, Noah and I overlapped one year. Um, he was uh, he was a freshman when I was a senior, and he came in with this just really awesome kick-ass freshman class, um, you know, some really talented skiers. So we just had a, a really awesome team there. And I, you know, I kind of hit it off with Noah. Um, you know, he's just such a good dude. He's he's humble. He's talented. Um, he's just a hard worker. And, uh, you know, generally, like, those are, those are pretty common values that you find in the cross-country skiing world. Um, you don't find too many, like, you know, big egos that, uh, our, our assholes. So, um, it, it, it kind of made sense that, you know, he was just a, a good guy and, uh, yeah, had, had a great time with him at Middlebury, um, you know, ski raced with him for a year. And then, uh, we've kind of, you know, been in touch afterwards. We haven't crossed paths too many times just because he, you know, kind of drifted more into running and, and I, um, you know, kept ski racing. But, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I think he's, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, you look forward to, 
being friends with for the rest of your life and doing some cool adventures. And, um, I'm hoping that he and his wife stay in, uh, in Utah. Cause, um, I think my wife and I are going to end up back in Colorado pretty soon when we're done ski racing. And, um, it'd be, be fun to, you know, be, be close to those guys. Well, wow. First of all, what a gushing endorsement of Noah. And, uh, you know, you're talking about what a great, he's pretty good looking too. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely add that to the list. Just, just to put a little, little dent in the armor though. I mean, you're saying he's such a good guy, but I literally just texted him while, you know, while we were getting set up to record here and told him that we were, that we were talking and his first response was give Simi some shit for me. So, I mean, you just went off on this, like, wonderful kind of, you know, like, uh, this praise for Noah. And this guy just says, I ought to be giving you a hard time. So, I don't know. I th- I think you're actually winning. Well, you know, he. I think he's still trying to pay me back for some of the hazing I may have done um, when I was a senior and he was a freshman. So, um, I don't I don't really blame him for, you know, that being his first reaction. But I'm, I'm just hoping that we can move past that. I'm hoping that we're you know, down to, down to like equal, equal levels at some point soon. <laughs> well, we're all adults. We shouldn't be held accountable for the jerks we were in our younger days. It's, it's, you're going with that. You're going with that line, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We all change. <laughs> um, well, we're going to get obviously to your kind of, I don't know, transitioning into having running, taking on a bigger role in your life. But I am always curious, given that I kind of then, I guess, like I'm like that boorish American who's only heard of like football or basketball. If if I didn't start ski rate, like alpine ski racing or, or free ride ski, you know, skiing like at a very early age. So I'm always curious to get the background from you folks who found your way into Nordic skiing, as we call it, see me. We call it Nordic, not not XC here. Yeah, that's going to be our first disagreement. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a cross country <laughs> skier. I'm not a Nordic skier. <laughs> okay, and and any particularly strong opinions as to why one term is preferable? So the Scandinavians are incredibly good, and they deserve a lot of praise for uh, you know what they've done for the sport, and obviously like the just skiing in general comes from from their neck of the woods so they deserve a lot of the credit but you know at the same time like we don't call soccer like euro ball or you know brazil ball it's like got it we're if we i think if we keep calling cross-country skiing nordic skiing we're just like kind of automatically giving um those you know cross-country ski racers like a free you know, 10% boost. I like this. Um, just, just because we're like giving them ownership of the title. So I like I'm, this. <laughs> I'm, I'm a cross country skier. I'm not a Nordic skier. <laughs> I, sh- I might get a little, I might get some shit from my, from my Norwegian buddies for saying that, but hopefully they don't listen to the podcast. They might. <laughs> it's a strong argument that you make. And I, you know, branding is important. I think this is the best argument I've heard for the, the pro XC as opposed to Nordic. I, I'm with you. And I'll probably just continue to every time we bring up cross-country skiing to like waffle on what to call it so um i don't know but yeah talk about your introduction and and how you got started in the sport i'm from i'm originally from aspen and aspen community the whole rowing fork valley um 
we definitely have a, a really strong cross country skiing culture and history there. Um, obviously not as strong as, as Alpine, but, uh, we have, you know, with the Aspen Valley Ski Club, we have a really good junior program there. Um, we have an incredible trail network. Both of my parents were actually cross country skiers. They, they started out as, um, runners. They were, they were successful, uh, runners when they were younger. My dad was a ultra marathon runner. My mom was kind of a middle distance, um, 10 K runner. And, uh, they found cross country skiing as, um, just a great way to, to train for running in the winter that was low impact. And, you know, it didn't mean that they were out running on the roads all winter. So they kind of, they kind of transitioned into the cross country ski, ski world when they were young and, um, you know, long story short, they, they just got my sister and I kind of hooked on it. So we, you know, grew up skiing from a really young age. I, I still, you know, I, I alpine skied a ton when I was young. Um, I still do and I love it, but, uh, I think with, with, um, my kind of natural aerobic capabilities, I think I was more, um, it just made more sense for me to be a cross country skier than, than an alpine skier. I was also like a pretty little dude until I was, um, you know, halfway through high school. I don't think I broke a hundred pounds until I was like a sophomore. Um, so I, I don't, maybe I could have been a good slalom skier or something, but I don't think I would have ever been a good downhill skier. Um, so it, it just made more sense for me to be a cross country skier and, you know, I loved it and, uh, I, I, I have no regrets. It's, uh, it's been a, a really cool life. Um, yeah. And that's, I don't know, that's just kind of how I ended up there. We got to have a little bit of the nature versus nurture conversation here. I mean, you just said like, well, given my kind of natural abilities or capacities, but how much of this do you think was something that you were kind of born with versus, I mean, given the background and experience that you came up with from an extremely early age, I don't know, have you spent much time thinking about this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'm definitely a believer in, like, I believe that my, both of my parents, my genes coming from them had a, had a big part of like the athlete that I developed into. Um, you know, my, my dad was, he won Leadville 100, I think four times. And, uh, my mom won, you know, Boulder, Boulder. And I think she was the one year, I think she was the fastest American at the New York city marathon. Um, so they were absolutely like, like very, very talented high level athletes. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the debate of what you're born with and what you, what you develop, but like a huge part of my upbringing was, um, going out and like riding bikes with my dad and going adventuring with my mom and my sister. And, um, you know, that was just, that was what we did like every single day. And, um, so whether it was something that I was born with or something that I, um, just developed into, I, you know, I think that I was just like a naturally, um, good aerobic, you know, endurance athlete from a pretty young age. Maybe I want to go here before we move on. Like you're just talking about your parents, right? Running and biking and skiing. Like what is the range? I mean, it's like, if you are a cross country skier, are you almost then 
de facto a runner as well? Like, what is the range of training regimens for those in the cross-country community? Like, would you have those who are like, I never run and I would only be on a rowing machine or on a road bike or something? Or is it like, for the vast majority, everybody who is cross-country skiing is also putting work on the trail or the or the road yeah there uh in in a short simple answer yes like they're cross-country skiers who are not runners don't exist um we you know for the most part at the level that i race at right now um that i've been racing at for the last 11 years um we generally train around 800 hours a year some people train up to a thousand some people train down to 600 but generally like if you're a full-time world cup skier you're training on average around 800 maybe 850 like i've i've kind of hovered around the 800 850 range for quite a while um and most of those hours are or you know the majority of those hours are are in the summer the spring summer fall um during our race season when we're over in europe racing um, we're generally racing every single weekend and because we're racing so much, it usually ends up being about 30 to 35 races a season. Um, our hours drop way, way, way off. So the majority of those, those training hours that we get in are in the summer and we do a lot of roller skiing. Um, you know, I do a lot of mountain biking and gravel biking. Um, but just the nature of it, you, you have to run a lot. Um, it's, I, I base, I, I don't know anyone at basically any level of the sport that doesn't treat running as a major component to their training. And it, and it is mostly to, to clarify, like there aren't a lot of like fast road runners, like for the most part, cross country skiers kind of suck at running. Like <laughs> I think, I honestly think we're just really good at faking it. Um, <laughs> Because the majority of the running we do is like on trails, you know, you're where it's like you're running like nine minute miles, you're hauling ass. And uh-huh. there there are some exceptions, you know, it's like um, a lot of cross country skiers that have a really strong background in like uh, high school, you know, track running or something like that. You know, they can still turn out like some 430 miles on the track, no problem. Um, but for the most part, like cross country skiers as runners are like kind of mountain runners, trail runners. Um generally much more uh better like technical runners um i think noah was talking about like um body type too like because we have to incorporate so much strength in our training um you know we're in the weight room a lot where there's so much power involved in cross-country skiing especially these days and especially with a lot more um sprinting and so generally we're we're we are bigger athletes um our upper bodies are a lot bigger and that tends to favor um, you know, more technical terrain, um, just kind of, yeah, trail running and less like, you know, fast gravel path or road running. I love asking this question on this particular podcast for some reason, the like self-identity question. A common thing we talk about on this show is that skiers don't sit around thinking like, I wonder if like, I'm really a skier. Or if I'm just somebody who occasionally goes skiing. But this kind of does seem like a thing that runners do think about. Like, I don't know, I'm not really, I don't really run, I'm not that fast, or I don't do it like 
five or six times a week. So like, I'm just somebody who runs occasionally. Like as you're growing up, were you thinking in like, I'm a cross country skier. That was like a defining thing. Or were you like, I'm a skier and a runner. Or you're like, hey, actually I was brighter than all that. So I didn't just define myself in one or two little ways. What, what was that like for you coming up? Um, I think when I was a younger athlete, like, uh, middle school, high school, I think I definitely identified as like a pretty, um, kind of multifaceted athlete. And, and I, I think that that's still true for a lot of, um, like really good junior cross country skiers is they like in the winter time, they're, they're cross country skiers. That's what they focus on in um, you know, in the summer, they might be bike racing or doing a lot of running racing in the fall. They might be running cross country or playing soccer. And so I think at that level, it's, uh, it's really encouraged to be like identifying as not just one type of athlete. Um, but certainly, you know, for the last 15 years, I'd say basically since graduating high school, um, I've certainly identified as a cross country skier. Like that's, I've never been like, you know, tried to trick any, anyone into thinking that I'm actually a runner or actually like a mountain biker that just kind of, you know, happens to be racing cross country. Um, so, and it's, it's funny because like we are, like we were talking about earlier, like just the nature of how we train and, and what we have to do to be really good at cross country skiing. Like we, we become really good at these other things, but we don't really identify as, um, as that type of athlete, you know, something other than a cross country skier, if that makes sense. Yeah. Talk to me about your path to Middlebury. So like one question, why Middlebury? Like, why did that end up being the choice and, and talk a bit about your trajectory, say like into high school and out of high school and into Middlebury? It's funny you ask that because it's when, when I first started thinking about like the Colorado Vermont connection, like for the longest time, I just like, couldn't, I never really wrapped my head around like how, um, how strong of a link there is between the two States or the two, you know, at least Western Colorado. And the more, the more time I've spent in Vermont, the longer I've lived here, I've like, I just pick up on it more and more and more. It's just like, there's so many people that are like, you basically just, you know, like, driving or flying in between two states there's you know they don't like they either live one place or the other there's like all these really funny you know crazy connections um and i i do have some family out here i have a couple of aunts and uncles that live in vermont um middlebury was just always kind of one of those things that was on my family's radar um you know my my parents neither of my parents went to school here um they won't both went to school out west but my sister actually found herself um at middlebury she's two years older than i am and i i knew that going out of high school i knew that um i wanted to i, I kind of needed to get out of colorado i needed to i needed a little distance from um, from my mom, you know, she, we have a wonderful relationship and she's the best, but I was just kind of at, at a point in my life when, you know, I just needed, needed to kind of distance myself a little bit from family life at home. Um, and I knew that I wanted to keep ski racing and, uh, you know, Middlebury had always, um, had a really strong, a really strong program and as well as, you know, awesome educational opportunities. And that was just as important to me. So, uh, it seemed like a really good fit. And I actually, I came out and 
visited a bunch of Eastern schools. And um, when I was at Middlebury, I was actually, I was kayaking a lot when I was in high school and I was kind of just starting to get into like some, some gnarlier Creek boating. And, um, and I ended up uh, linking up with a couple of my sister's friends um, who took me to this Creek run that was like 10 minutes from campus. And it's just like one of the coolest class five, like um, just kind of like pretty gnarly Creek runs I've ever run. And it was, you know, I had this like 35 foot waterfall. I'd never really run like a big waterfall like that before. Just like this picturesque new England Creek. And that was, it's like that, actually kind of sealed the deal for That's me like there's awesome. a lot you know there's a lot going on like i i had met with the coach you know the cross-country coach and you know i had i had met with the team and you know i was like my sister's you know for sure like my best friend and um so there were all these other things too but then like i went i went paddling with these people and i was like oh shit this is like that was a sign you know i, I was like i need i need to be at middlebury <laughs> so that was kind of how i ended up here and um and it, it was awesome you know it uh i met some of my my best friends um you know that are certainly going to be lifelong friends um you know i uh there were a couple winters when i got a little depressed because it's the new england winters are rough it's like um it'll be incredible skiing and then it'll just be pouring rain the next day. And you just, it's kind of something you have to get used to. And I wasn't really used to that coming from Colorado. You know, it was like in Colorado, winter started on November 25th and it ended, you know, May 5th and every day was bluebird and it snowed at night and, and it was all good. It, it never rained in, in January. And, uh, so that was, I, it took a little getting used to, to that side of it, but, um, it's it's just a cool place and you know the the culture in new england is it's pretty special it's um it's a lot of it's like hard work is rewarded um whether it's hard work like around your home whether it's hard work hard work as an athlete um it's just like people out here are a little bit tougher i think not not saying like people back home are not tough but it's just like i think there's a certain identity to new englanders that is is pretty cool um and and most of them are you know pretty someone like noah you know it's like they're pretty humble they're pretty soft-spoken like they're 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 badass people and they're not gonna be they're not gonna come right out and say they're badass like they're gonna let you figure it out which is um <laughs> i think a, a pretty cool trait to have huh i'm still hung up on this idea that you maybe were boating like class fives through college and competing in cross-country skiing did you really keep the boating going through school oh yeah for sure i was paddling a lot um especially like it's funny you know when you're boating out east it's like there is no runoff like the spring yeah you can paddle in the spring there's a little bit of runoff but like the the creeks come up when it rains and so you know we'd go paddling and like mid-January like during you know during the race season it's like sometimes sometimes these runs would be just amazing mid-January you know you put your pogies on you put your dry suit on like you go freeze your ass off for a couple hours but I I for sure I did a ton of paddling when I was out here um still training and I was actually I was climbing a lot too um 
in high school and into college and the climbing out here is pretty incredible too. Um, so it, that was, you know, something pretty, pretty cool. Like, um, Middlebury is in a pretty unique place in that it has, you know, it's, it's close to some world-class climbing. Um, you have some amazing Creek boating and then, um, you know, just the, the training for your cross country skiing is like pretty, pretty world-class too. So it was, uh, it was a good place to just, um, be able to kind of check all those things off the list and, um, yeah, it's just, it's a good place. So just to make sure that we're all caught up to speed because every like other every new minute into this conversation you mention a new sport you participated <laughs> in so we're up to by my calculations running cross-country skiing class five paddling climbing what else have we not touched on yet <laughs> I, i'm a really really bad golfer okay and um Let's see. I What about like basketball? Like would I beat you in basketball or probably not? You probably would except I get incredibly competitive and <laughs> so you... I would just foul the shit okay. out of you <laughs> until I actually beat you. So. Okay. Fair. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> no, but that was, you know, I did, like growing up in Aspen it was like um especially I think the the generation of kids that I grew up with there um we we had all these incredible opportunities to like, um, you know, we had, we had really good paddling all the way through the Valley, um, you know, and then on the Colorado too. And, um, we had incredible climbing up the pass. Um, you know, we, we used to backcountry ski growing up a ton. I still, I still basically spend my entire spring, um, just backcountry skiing. And so we just, you know, it was so easy to come from, um, these really, um, kind of diverse backgrounds, um, growing up in a place like, like Colorado, um, which is pretty cool. And I think that that for sure, uh, you know, helped me kind of like realize the, uh, or, or it just, it gave me a lot of tools to be the best cross country skier that I possibly could be. And I've, I've absolutely, you know, in the last 10 years skiing world cup full time, I've, I've for sure had to, you know, focus more just on skiing. You know, I, I actually, I think I've been in my boat once in the last like 11 years. Um, you know, I usually, I can try, I try to climb like a couple times a summer. Um, so I, I've, I've certainly had to put all those things kind of on hold for a while, but, um, I absolutely, you know, am so appreciative of just kind of the skills I learned, um, from being able to do all those different things when I was young. I am curious, um, when you started having thoughts about competing in the Olympics for Team USA? Yeah, I actually, um, it was kind of a, a crazy, um, it, it was a really quick transformation from college skiing to this new world of, of cross-country skiing for me. I was, so I graduated in 2009 and that summer I moved up to, uh, Ketchum, Idaho, and I was, um, skiing for a club team based out of, out of Ketchum Sun Valley. Um, and the Olympics were, you know, obviously that same year, you know, the, the winter of 2010, um, and the way it works. So I've, to make this story even more complex, um, I'm mostly a sprinter. Um, I've been, 
pretty much focused on sprinting my entire um, skiing career, uh, mostly because of my body type. You know, I'm a much bigger, stronger skier. Um, generally, like the the better distance skiers are kind of smaller guys, um, and they've also, you know, been their training base when they were younger was much bigger than I was when it just when it comes to um, specific cross country skiing. So. Um, I'm mostly a sprinter and I specialize in skate sprinting versus classic sprinting. I've always just been a much better, um, skate skier than, than a classic skier, even though, you know, I basically do an even number of races. Um, and my training is split 50, 50, and which is the same for everyone. You know, there aren't any cross country skiers. This is another thing that you and Noah were talking right. about. I think, um, you know, if you're a cross country skier, you, you skate and you classic. There's there's no one that just does one thing. Most everyone is like a little better at one than the other, but um, you you pretty much race everything. And the way that they do it at the Olympics is they alternate between a skate sprint and a classic sprint. So long story short, in Vancouver, the sprint that year in 2010 was a classic sprint, um, and I had been uh, you know I'd been like a pretty successful skate sprinter in high school and in college. And so I was kind of, I was like fine with just fo- kind of focusing on, on skate sprinting as being like my main forte for the rest of my career. And, you know, I was kind of hoping that my classic sprinting would, would at least just kind of like keep pace with my skate sprinting. Like I knew that I'd never be quite as good. Um, but it, you know, I just kind of, I just accepted that. And, so I didn't even actually really think that I was going to make the 2010 Olympics because it was a classic sprint that year. And, uh, it turned out I did. <laughs> and it was, I actually, I actually made the team like two weeks before the game started. Um, because we, our team picked up another, another spot for our quota. Um, because one of the bigger teams, uh, like Norway or Russia, they declined one of their spots. And the way it works at the Olympics is you're, uh, your team size is kind of based on how the bigger teams, um, how many people they decide to take. So at least, you know, back in 2010, when we had a much smaller team and we weren't um, collectively scoring as many World Cup points, then we didn't have control over how many um, people we, we got to bring. Nowadays, we actually get to bring a lot more people because we're a much bigger presence on the World Cup and, um, you know, we're just as a team way more successful. So but back then, our team was pretty small and we picked up a, an extra spot just a couple weeks before the game started. And I was actually over in Germany racing at the U23 World Championships. And I got a call from the then head coach, Pete Vortenberg. And, um, you know, he, he called me and I picked up and, it's like, hey, Simi, it's it's Pete Vordenberg calling. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. What did I do? Because it's like, you know, the, the head of the U.S. ski team is calling you. It's like, at least when you're when you're 22 years old, you're like, uh-oh, I think I probably did something wrong. <laughs> He's like, hey, I just want to let you know that you made the Olympic team. I was like, okay, that was not what I was expecting. Wow. <laughs> so um, it, it, it was a very quick transition from – uh, you know, from, from Middlebury college skiing into, uh, that life of high caliber, um, cross country skiing. And yeah, that kind of kicked everything off. Um, you know, I ended up going to Vancouver and then went to Sochi and then, uh, most recently went to, um, the Olympics in Korea. Um, and then in between all those Olympics, we've had, 
uh, several world championships years. So I've been to, I think five or six world championships as well. So, uh, it's been, it's been exciting. It's kept me on my toes. It's kept me busy. It's kept me off drugs and, uh, it's been fun (laughs) for the the most part. (laughs) Well, we're very happy that the Olympic games, uh, were there to help keep you off drugs. Yeah. Yeah. As are my parents and most of my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. I did see a comment that you made, I think it was in Time Magazine, that it sounds like you might be ready to call your time competing in the Olympics done. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my wife and I are pretty, we're pretty close to being done. She's um, she's a few years younger than I am. She's been to two Olympics and she's been incredibly successful. It's actually funny. She's like kind of still at the the peak of her, um, her capabilities right now as she's mostly a sprinter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we both feel like we've, we've had a really good run at it. Um, it's been an incredible experience and we're kind of ready to start writing the next chapter. Um, you know, we want to start thinking about a family pretty soon. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta start making a little bit of money. <laughs> As, mm-hmm. You know, no, that that's not you know one of the main reasons. But um, we do need to you know start thinking about kind of what we want to do with the rest of our lives. And um, yeah, we're we're not we're, right now. We're we're kind of taking it year by year. Um, you know, we were actually both ready to kind of be done after this last season but i had a pretty a pretty shitty year um i was pretty much injured for most of the year and uh, i came into it feeling really good really fit um you know i had kind of transitioned my training into more of um more distance and less sprint and so i was really excited to kind of try my hand at, at more distance racing and see how that that went um but unfortunately everything kind of got derailed with just some some really crappy injuries throughout the year um so we we got you know to the end of the season and then our last few weeks of world cups were canceled because of covid and um we both just felt like we you know couldn't really end on that note so we decided that we wanted to ski another year and um we're gonna race this year and um you know my guess is we'll be done after this year but i you know i think it's foolish to to kind of predict, um, what you're going to be thinking in, in the next, you know, six months away. So we're, we're not making any decisions right now. We're just going to kind of be flexible and see how everything goes. And I mean, it's honestly like, it's crazy, right? Like we don't even really know if we're going to have a race season, um, just with everything that's going on. You know, I, I think we will like the organizing, you know, FIST, which is the, uh, kind of the, the international ski federation that, you know, organizes all the world cups and everything. Like they're definitely feeling pretty confident that they'll be able to hold some kind of season, but it's like, you know, in this day and it, like you just, you don't know how things are going to be next week. You know, it's like, it's, it's impossible to predict, you know, the, the situation that's that we're going to face. So we're, we're holding our breath. We're crossing our fingers. We're, you know, ready to adapt to whatever. And we'll see. I'm curious about how you are viewing running these days and if you are starting to think like, well, if if I can see sort of the finish line coming up for a 
like remarkable cross country skiing career, if you are finding yourself like, I'm curious, like, where can I go and how far can I take it? Like in the running world, what are the kind of <laughs> the conversations happening between your ears? What does that look like right now? <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's funny. Like, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, I definitely like running is a huge component of my training. Um, but I, I, I don't do a ton of running. There's, there's been summers when I've really focused a lot more on running. Um, a couple of years ago I was, uh, you know, I spent, we had like a kind of a three week or one month block that we spent in France doing a bunch of training. And, you know, there's such good mountain running there that I was running a ton. And then, you know, I, I came back to the States and, and I was like, ah, I should jump in a running race. And there was this, um, 50 K in New Hampshire. And so I was like, and that was like, you know, a month away. And I was like, well, I should probably, you know, I'll do that. So I'd probably be a good idea to keep running so I can kind of stay healthy and feel really good for that race. So, you know, there's been a summer, like a summer like that, I was running a ton. Um, and then, you know, like this summer, I've actually been on my bike a lot more than I've been running this summer. Um, but I still, I still been, you know, running a fair amount. Um, and then, you know, we, like, I just kind of knew that I was going to be home for the power of four race. And, um, so basically anytime, anytime you get to put a bib on and race as, you know, in the summer is a really good thing to be able to do as a cross country skier. Cause it just, it's whether you've been like training for that, event specifically or not it's just a really good chance to like go through the same psychological emotions and kind of get back into like that that mindset that's really important um so i just decided that the power four would be like a really good opportunity for that um and i think i you know i i kind of surprised myself a little bit about how well that went um <laughs> but I, I you know at no point have, have i been like oh god i'm really really good at this running thing like i should i should keep doing this and I mean, I kind of jokingly said earlier that I'm like really, you know, good at faking being a runner. Um, but I think I kind of am. And it doesn't mean like if I, <laughs> you know, if I really wanted to focus on being a really good runner, I think I, I think I probably could. I think like, well, for sure it would help, you know, if I stopped cross country ski training full time and, and if I could like lose a little bit of muscle mass, cause, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty pretty big guy I'm like um right now i'm actually quite thin because i haven't been doing much strength this summer um just because i felt like if i had to spend one more minute in the weight room i was gonna go postal um so i basically took all weight room training out of my out of my training um i still do like some core stuff outside but not a ton um but i'm you know i'm still like 170 that's that's on the lighter side for me um so I'm, I'm, you know, just naturally kind of a, a bigger person and, uh, I'm sure my mechanics are way off. Like I'm sure, you know, really good runners would like watch me run and just kind of laugh. Um, cause I, I don't think I'm that, you know, efficient or anything, but, um, what, what I do, I, I know I'm good when it comes to like more technical stuff. Um, and I think like, growing up in the mountains and doing a lot of adventures, uh, you know, and especially in the elk mountains where it's like, you gotta, <laughs> you can't just like jump onto a rock and trust it. Yep. Um, you, you gotta be pretty good with your feet, you know? <laughs> um, I, I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good technical runner. So I don't know. I've, I've definitely, 
um, thought a little bit about like trying to continue, um, some sort of, uh, you know, running component to my life, like competitive running. But I mean, right now what I think is kind of cool is like, I feel like to, to be successful at really any level of something like running, you don't just have to be like signing up for every race on the weekend. And like, there's, there's so many ways, like whether, I mean, I fucking hate like the social media world. Like, I think there's a really cool component to it. There's like, um, you know, someone like, like Ricky Gates, who's a good friend of mine. I think he uses social media in like a really amazing, powerful way to like tell this really cool story. So there's that side to it that I really respect, but I think a lot of, you know, most of the social media stuff is pretty shitty right now. And I think a lot of it's pretty fake, especially when it comes to athletes. And, um, but you know, the, the world that we live in now, because of all that social media stuff is like, you can make it work if you want to focus on just doing some crazy adventure and it doesn't even, you know, you don't need to be setting an FKT or, um, you know, you don't need to be like, you know, this Strava whore. It's like, you can just come up with some really cool thing and you're going to get support from sponsors and, um, you know, people are going to be, be psyched for you. So I do really like that. It's, you know, this kind of, it's becoming this really dynamic world. Um, you can, you can make it work beyond just like winning your, um, your local races or your, um, you know, bigger races. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, uh, I got a lot of things that I'm, you know, scheming in my head. I I, honestly, like what I'm most looking forward to is, uh, especially I think when my wife and I moved back to Colorado is like, I have so many amazing friends that are still living in the area. Um, you know, I, um, keep in touch with them and, and, you know, usually get to see them a little bit in the spring. Like we'll go, we'll go ski touring together and stuff. And I know that they're out there like every doing every weekend doing these like incredibly cool adventures and just to be able to kind of join them for those again, like that's what makes me most excited. So I think we'll kind of start with that. And, you know, if, if I, if I get psyched about, you know, kind of continuing the, the competitive stuff, then I won't stop myself from doing that. And, um, but it'll just be fun to, to be exploring, you know, the home mountains again and with, uh, with good people. What I don't hear you saying is like, dude, I've been in the competitive world for a long time now. Like I actually love the idea of just not entering any races where there's like some expectation either by others or your own expectations like i gotta go place really well here i don't hear you saying that i hear you saying like i'm excited about the prospect of like just going on some fun runs and some adventures but if i get that bug i'm open to that too does that seem about right there's no hard like like you're neither like i'm all in i'm ready to transition into like running comps and I don't also hear you saying like, I'm done competing. Like I, that's, I'm going to hang that up. You're, you're not sure. Absolutely. Like there's, um, I, I think there's a lot of athletes that like, not just cross country skiers, but athletes from so many different sports that when they're, when they're done, they like, they're like done. done. They're like, I never want to put a bib on. I never want to get timed. I never want to, whatever it is like. And that's their own deal. Like, I think that that's, you know, whether it's healthy or unhealthy that they think that, like, that's that's their own deal. Um, for me, 
I know, I don't think I'm like an unhealthily, uh, I don't, I'm not competitive in to such an extreme that, that it, that it really, um, you know, has a negative effect on like me or the people around me. But, um, I definitely recognize that, that I am decently competitive by nature. And I think I'll always have, um, you know, I'll, I'll for sure always have that itch, um, that I, that I would like to satisfy. And, uh, I think that's, that's, that's a, it's something that's totally fine to have. It's like something that, um, you know, I feel like if I feel like I didn't seek out some way to satisfy that, that I would probably go crazy and, you know, the people around me would suffer as much as I would suffer. And, um, you know, my, my wife knows that about me. All my friends know that about me. My family knows that about me. Um, so I'll, I'll for sure, you know, it, it won't be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, cross country ski race domestically every single weekend and, you know, try to whoop up on all the local races, you know, in the Valley every weekend. Like, I, I don't think it will be strictly that, but, um, it'll just be, it'll be something cool that, that, you know, I get to kind of figure out in the years to come. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, like the, the whole mountain running thing is, is pretty cool to me. Um, whether it's racing or just adventuring or, um, you know, trying to get a, you know, link two peaks or, you know, a whole range or whatever it is, like just the fact that, that people are thinking that way now is pretty sweet. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, there's so much potential to do just really cool stuff, whether you're, whether you're doing it for time, whether you're getting paid for it, whether it's on Strava, you know, whether it's written up in a, in a, on a website or a blog or whatever, like that doesn't really matter to me. It's just about like getting out there and doing it and hopefully sharing that, that experience with, you know, other really good people. And, um, you know, having a beer afterwards and, and talking about something cool that you did. At the Audi power of four, did you enjoy it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it's like Ron Burgundy with the, with the question mark on the teleprompter. Yes. <laughs> no, I absolutely enjoyed it. It was super cool. I, um, I was, basically the whole time I was, well, A, I was like telling myself that I went out way too hard, um, which I probably did. Oh, I for sure did. Um, and B, I was, I was like wishing that it was a lot more technical. Cause like I said earlier, I definitely kind of rely on my technical skills usually when it comes to, when it comes to running. Um, and it's, it's just a, it's a cool course. It's beautiful. I mean, the fact that, you know, you get to basically run up all, all four ski areas, um, is super cool. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, it got really, really hard. Well, so I said, I went out too, too hard, which I for sure did. But like the thing that you have to understand, I mean, I've, um, since high school, I ran cross country for a few years in high school and I was, I was a pretty good cross country runner. Um, <clears throat> but between high school, so 2004, I think was the last year I ran cross country between 2004 and, and this year, I've done one running race, which was two years ago, which is that 50 K in New Hampshire. And so I like, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to a running race, it's especially like a five, you know, five hours plus running race. Um, I just, that is like so far out of my wheelhouse right now that, 
I just like, I was just winging it. I had no idea. And the, like as a cross country skier, you know, some, like I'll race a, I'll race a 50 K occasionally, usually, usually one or two 50 Ks a season towards the end of the season, just kind of for training and for fun. And, um, you know, domestically, like I can actually do pretty well in a 50 K I can usually be, you know, top three would be a good day for me domestically. Um, but that's, you know, 50 K on cross country skis, like on a fast course, we're doing that in under two hours. And on a slow course, if it's slow snow, uh, you know, it's usually around like 210, 215, 220 if it's really slow. Um, so we're not, we're even for these really long races that we do in cross country skiing, like we're not doing anything more than 215 usually. And so to do something like over five hours is like so foreign to me. And to be able to, you know, when I put a, when I put a, a, a race number on or a bib, like I kind of just revert to the, the way that I know how to do it. And that's like a really hard thing to get out of when you're, when you're, when you have it that ingrained as a cross country skier of how to race, it's like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You're, you're just going to resort back to that mentality. So I took it out, you know, even though I thought that I was like taking it out really conservative, I'm sure I, I started too hard. Um, but it paid off. It was, it was cool. You know, it was like, um, I don't think it was like the, the strongest field this year. They asked us to, to estimate our finish time. And I was like, you know, I think I'll just say like 545. Cause looking at, you know, previous years, I was like, I think that's probably a pretty safe guess. I'll be somewhere around there. And, and I was like, and it, it'll be great. Cause like some people will probably say like 515 or 530 and they'll probably be put in an earlier wave because it was five waves of 10 people each and so i was like it'll be sweet if i'm in the second or third wave i can maybe get some splits off of the faster guys that started ahead of me and then i get this email it's like oh you're in wave number one and i was like oh i was like shit some like people were just sandbagging like if i'm in wave number one with an estimated finish time of 545 that means there's gonna be some fast dudes that are like you know just like wanting splits off of off of me and so the whole time I was running, I was like, ah. I was like, there's, there's some fast guys starting behind me. I got to just got to keep going, keep going. And then I like, you know, cross the line and 10 minutes goes by and 20 minutes goes by <laughs> and 30 minutes goes by and 40 minutes goes by. And after 40 minutes, I was like, okay, I know, I know I want it. Even if there was someone fast starting in the very last wave, cause there was only 40 minutes worth of starters. So, you know, turn, turns out it was, I think I won by, 57 or something so i was i was safe but um yeah but it was it was a it was it was a it was a really fun race it was just a beautiful day it's anytime and i don't get to spend too much time at home anymore and um you know i I spend a lot of time at home in the spring i usually spend april and some of may and you know i do a ton of skiing um but it's it's just really nice to be back in the summer and see my family and stuff. So any any time I get to be at home in the mountains is like a pretty special time for me, and uh, and I just try to relish that. And um, that's that's just what I did that day. So it was cool. It, it worked out really well. The race was really well put on, super well organized. Um, just like I said, a beautiful course. Um, pretty pretty cool. Well, you know where this is all heading, right? You versus Noah. <laughs> speed goat next year the two middlebury cross-country skiers noah trying to defend his title you trying to take his title i think we start billing this right now 
<laughs> what is it like the rumble in the jungle the yeah the ramble on the scramble yeah. or something like that well it'll be like a pay-per-view yeah event or... <laughs> yeah i'm gonna start i'll be the hype man start promoting this event and by the way i, I learned from noah all you gotta do is take liquid iron and you're gonna oh, be yeah. like a 40 percent better runner <laughs> so we all al- we already know his secrets um, so I, I think this is going to be great. Are you willing to commit right now? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sign me up. I'm just, I'm not even going to go get a blood test either. I'm just going to start chugging liquid yep. iron because I know it's going to make me faster. Right. I'm going to start, um, sending Noah just like, like really aggressive texts and emails, just trying to, just trying to get, get in his into head. his head. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it starts right now. Well, the other thing I've I've come to learn about Noah is he's really bad at staying on course. So <laughs> even if you forego the liquid iron, there's a decent chance the dude probably just ends up taking a wrong turn. And yeah, so, but exactly. you know, anyway, but you know, maybe do the liquid iron just to be just to be safe. But uh, <laughs> I would I would get the pay per view for this if uh, if you're willing to commit to showing up at Speedgoat next year. Sweet. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't want to watch like. <laughs> Two kind of uh, like washed up Nordic skiers trying to beat up each other, uh, on each other on a in a running race. That sounds like a pretty good time. <laughs> oh man! Um, well, I don't know. It's uh, I, I really hope this happens. This would this would make me personally uh, quite happy. So if I was Noah listening to this right now, I'd be real mad at me because I don't think he would like the idea of me like uh encouraging you to be more competition if he's intending to de- try to defend the title but uh, <laughs> he needs it he needs it it's good for him we can just tell him it's healthy you know it's like it's, it's good for him i am certain that we could keep this conversation going for a whole lot longer but what we're gonna do is i'm gonna actually let you get going now and then we will just say that we have a future conversation ahead of us 100 percent, and that's going to give us an opportunity to kind of move down some other paths that we didn't get to today so if if that sounds okay with you i will actually let you go <laughs> that sounds great jonathan um it's been it's been awesome talking to you it's uh it's it's just cool to chat about all the stuff we we were we were chatting about a lot of of chats in there so thank you um it's been cool well listen good luck with everything you've got in front of you i hope this coming year turns out to be a heck of a lot better than the previous one on all kinds (laughs) of different fronts and yeah good luck with all of it and I'm, i'm looking forward to the next conversation awesome thanks jonathan great to talk to you all right you take care (laughs) see ya Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Simi for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Crested Butte, Colorado, we hope that you are doing well. And until next time, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again next week.